Welcome to Sustainable Wellbeing, a special five-episode series of Into the Well with myself, Ryan Wilms, in collaboration with Allbirds and their community initiative, All Good Collective. Through these episodes, we'll cover a variety of topics, from regenerative farming and running, to cleaning up the oceans and dream interpretation. I get to dive in with inspiring individuals who are co-creating a world of connection, growth, and sustainable well-being for themselves, their community, and for our planet. On this episode, I speak to Iman Smith, also known as So Swanky. He's a creative director, marathoner, and running coach. And together, we go through the journey of growing up in the South, falling in love with running track in high school, and then joining the Army. From there, we touch base on his reconnection with running through randomly volunteering for a marathon and meeting an inspiring old guy to running his first marathon. We also talk about his journey through injury and after getting hit by a car, what that was like in terms of re-sparking joy and inspiration for being creative with his clothing and design, and also how that shifted his approach to running and much more. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, man. Thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast today. And, and Thanks sharing. for having me. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Um, so I was hoping to start off with just uh, getting into a little bit of context for where you grew up and what that experience was like. Um, obviously, you know, you're a runner and athlete and a coach now. And what was your relationship with, with sports growing up? And Okay, and cool, process. cool. Yeah, so um, born in New York, born in Brooklyn, New York. Um, 1979, a long time ago. Um, and then, uh, moved to North Carolina. So this is like the real quick version, moved to North mm-hmm. Carolina, went to school in North Carolina, um, grew up there, played all types of sports, basketball, baseball, you know, all the sports with a ball mm-hmm. and around 11th grade kind of fell in love with track and just started getting more into like the idea of what that was as a sport. Um, so the football coach basically had all the track people play football. He was like, (laughs) it was one team. So the track team was the football team and the football team was the track team. Like you, you had to do both. Yeah. So it just kind of became that. And then military um, after high school and army is based on a lot of physical fitness, Mm -hmm. um, cardio being one of those top things. Um, So in the military, I really didn't, it was like switching from like short distance running, you know, to like this miles and singing and running with equipment and all this different type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, now we're in like regular life and, you know, running doesn't exist anymore. Um, In my thirties, I'm in the fashion business, I'm Mm -hmm. living life, overweight, smoking too much, drinking too much, everything is too much. And I work at the New York City Marathon Convention 2015. And I see like one of my homeboys, Kwasi, and I see a couple other people come through and I'm like, man, this is like a thing? People are running a marathon? Like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Like, still at that point, I'm like, somebody that used to love running, it was just like, I ran short distance, you know, 400, 100, 200 meters, you know. To get me to run a mile, it was like, you know, geez, why? It's like punishment. But um, over the course of the weekend, I just met different people, different characters. And like there was an older gentleman that just kind of stood out. 
and he had a jacket. Once again, I love fashion, how, how all of these things tie back together. Mm. He had a jean jacket with all of these patches and buttons. And I asked him, I said, like, where'd you get that jacket? And he told me he earned it. Mm. And that was it. And then on top of that, my coach, prior to him being my coach, was on the cover of Runner's World that year. And they had his picture blown up huge in the convention center. And I was like, man, well, if I ever did this, like if I ever ran a marathon, like I'd want to run with that guy. Mm-hmm. He looks like me. Kind of cool looking. All right, yeah, I, that's who I would want to do this like. Mm-hmm. Kind of funny he's my coach now. But um, yeah. And that's like the quick, 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 quick version of how I got to this, like, you know, thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Born in New York, raised in North Carolina. Um, high school sports was cool. And then I found out track was something that I could do outside of being on a team. But it was also a team. Mm-hmm. So that so that was cool as well. And I just just kind of got back into running with the marathon, you know. So we're here now. Yeah. So... You were going to high school in North Carolina at the time? Yeah. And playing sports at that time, was there any, you know, dream of taking that beyond high school or was it more just in the moment? Oh, what- oh yeah. Oh, man. Like, so once I realized that, like, I wasn't going to the NBA mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to be a rapper, I was like, okay, well, making clothes in the Olympics are still out there. Mm-hmm. These things, these things can still happen. So, that was like my dream is a, a kid dream, 18 year old me. Mm-hmm. Like if you talk to 18 year old me in 19, like 97, I'd have been like, yeah, I'm going to the Olympics. Right. Like, like that so, was my goal. And with track or with running. Yeah. yeah with track. Yeah. Completely. Like so, Michael Johnson was like my, like, right. Idol. Yeah. And were you competing at a pretty high level at that point then for that dream to um, feel oh, yeah. somewhat I mean, realistic? Like, I mean, like, you know, I was like, our team was making those states. I was running regional meets. I was like, you know, top three in most of my like races, you know? So Mm -hmm. it wasn't a pipe dream. It was like, it was real. Yeah. Like, you know, I had a, I had like one or two local colleges, like St. Augustine, a couple other places, like the track coaches there, like wanting to offer me scholarships, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like around the end of the season is when it kind of picked up. But then the military started, my mom was like, you should go in the army. I was like, what? Get out of here. But, you know, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, running track, you were playing other sports. How how did you find, um, like, dealing with coaches and stuff like that? Especially, you know, with track, it's a lot of times and, you know, there's a different approaches and things like that. I'm curious to know, you know, to get to that sort of elite level, you know, there's an interesting relationship I find as a young man and their coach. Yeah, well, I mean, like, my coach, um, his name was Coach Floyd, man. He was a really dope dude, like, very stoic, not a lot of emotion at all. Like, the probably, like, one of the coldest white dudes I've ever known in my life, but very warm. Mm. You know, he just, you just, you couldn't get it. You, if you did really great, you wouldn't know it because <laughs> his face wouldn't change. Right. You just know by the tone of him saying, like, good job. Like you could hear the different good job, you know, and if you messed up, you knew. Yeah. So it was like, it was, he, he made, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to push you, but I'm not going to like make you feel good over something that, I, that you got to do out here. Like you got to be good. Cause the other kids are good too, mm-hmm. you know? So if I kind of make you feel like you're great for doing 
beating your teammates, you're beating your teammates. When you go against these other guys and they're beating up on you guys, like, I can't be nice, you know? So it's like, we got to be prepared to basically always be ready to like compete if you want to be at the level. If you just want to be on the team and that's cool, that's cool. But if you want to be at the level, then these are some of the things. And he would give us like little notes. He would say like, you know, well, you know, I'm shooting the gun, right? Mm -hmm. So just listen. You can hear when I'm going to like, you'll hear it. And like literally, like you, you could hear it be so quiet and you'd know here it comes and you just go. Mm -hmm. And it's just like that one little thing that the other people, they don't have it because that's not their coach. Right. And, you know, he's not timing you. He's timing me like and my my teammates for us to win, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's those little things that made him a cool coach because you wouldn't know it because he wouldn't show you that. He just kind of tell you like to the side, like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, it's kind of dope. Coach Floyd, he was the man. Yeah. Yeah. When I think back, you know, playing sports was huge for me in high school, especially basketball. And when I think of like what I learned the most in those years and like brought forward into my life, it was teamwork and leadership and, you know, fighting with your brothers for something like all together. Now, I wonder like if you had that sort of experience that you've kind of brought into your adult life. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, well, transitioning from like high school all your friends. Mm -hmm. So where most of my friends were like, you know, going to college, I went into the military. So that's, excuse me, you know, Mm -hmm. an automatic quick bond, you know, Mm -hmm. like at basic training, you know, to get to the like bonding, um, my drill sergeant basically like cut to the chase was like, you know, a lot of you guys are here for like college and like traveling. And, but like right now, if war broke out, you guys are going to go to the war. This is how it works. Like, You've seen all that stuff in history class. All of those guys in World War II were just like you. Mm-hmm. They just came in off the street to do whatever for the country, and now they're going to war. And in six weeks, you're going to be ready to go do this, and you got to watch this guy's back. You don't know him. He doesn't know you. He's mm-hmm. white. You're black. You've never been around a black person in your life. You've never been around a white person in your life. Right. You heard this about this person. You heard that about that person. But now we're here together. What do we do? We work together. And mm-hmm. you learn that from being on a team in high school if you ever played sports. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if you got brothers and sisters, you know, if you ever kind it's, it's, it's teamwork is a different type of thing that you build. It's a camaraderie because it's like, once again, there's a reward and then sometimes there's a loss, you know, but that's where you build, you build in the loss, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's, everybody's happy when you win, you know, but when you take an L who's happy, you know, who can say like, come on guys, like, you know, next time, Yeah. you know, that's what the team, you know, that's the teamwork, you know? Yeah. And it seems like that military environment takes that to a whole nother level when it oh, man, potential definitely. of life and death is, is in the mix. <laughs> yeah. So, what sort of took you down that path? Like, you know, it didn't sound like it was something you were planning on, but that's uh, a big money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, so, you know, coming from basically like I grew up in a very small town. It's called LaGrange, North Carolina. If you look it up, super little. Um, so for me, I was tired of high school. It's like the South. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to go back to New York. I was like, you know, I felt like you kidnapped me 
but not really, you know, mm-hmm. but when you're a kid, you know, you live with your mom, your dad lives somewhere, you want to, you know, mm. it's going to be better there than it is here. But that's what we think. We always mm. think things are better other places. Mm-hmm. It's just different experiences. So, um, yeah, it's just, it got to a point where I was like, well, you know what? I'm tired of school and I've always been about making money. Mm-hmm. This is America. You know, <laughs> learn that very early. Make a dollar, yeah. you know. Dollar get you somewhere here. Um, so they started talking money. And I was like, well, uh, money, I don't know what else you got. You know, what else you got in the package of items that might make me want to do this? Right. And he said, we have a U.S. Army track team. That's how they got me. Yeah. Showed me this beautiful poster. They compete in the Olympics. Oh, the Olympics. Mm. I knew it. I knew this was the right choice. This was the right choice. I'm going to go here and go to the Olympics. Right? Mm -hmm. This is what it sounds like. (laughs) It's lined up. It's lining up. No, it, it doesn't line up. It doesn't line up. Because... You have to be signed. They have to let you go do that. Right. You know, you have to try out. It's in another place. Mm. They have to pay for that. My company commander was like, yeah, you're going to the woods. (laughs) Let's go. You can do that on your off time, you know. And, you know, that's cool, you know, intramural track. Yeah, run a little couple meets. But mm-hmm. no, man, like, I want to go to the dance, man. Yeah. So that's how they got me. And then in there, I was just like, well, you know, now that I'm here, let me learn all this other cool stuff. Yeah. You know, like how to save lives and, like, shoot people <laughs> and give IVs, you know, throw a grenade, a lot of different skills. Yeah. You know, things you don't need on a daily basis, but might come <laughs> in handy during the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Which feels closer than ever. <laughs> well, you know, people are expecting it. They're expecting <laughs> it. You know, it was like, what else could happen in 2020? Yeah, absolutely. I love how everybody blames 2020. It's like 2020 did something. Yeah. <laughs> 2020, no, we, you did this. Yeah, we've been working on this for a while. <laughs> yeah. Eh, it's reverberation. Yeah. So jumping ahead then, you are working this um, marathon weekend. And you see this guy with the jacket and he tells you he earned the jacket, earned the patches. You know, what was that interaction like? And it sounds like that sort of like, you know, opened up something in your perspective. Well, I mean, well, once again, you know, you're talking about you're in a space where there's this multicultural event happening, people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I'm giving out bags for Abbott Worldwide Majors with some stuff in it for the people just competing to get these six medals that I don't even know anything about at the time, mm-hmm. which is like, why would you even do that once again? But <laughs> the old guy with the jacket is like, you know, he just tells me, he hits me with some stats that I just was like, whoa, he goes like, well, 1% of the population will run a marathon in their life. and You look like you can do it. And I'm just like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. But that was the thing when he said only one, like the idea that 1% of the population, when he said that, I was like, I don't know how true this is mm-hmm. and I might have to fact check it, but 
it did something. Did like, it's that hard? No right. way. It can't be that hard. It can't mm-hmm. be that hard. So yeah, so let's try this. Let's give it. Let's go. Let's see what it takes to do this thing. And then I just started researching because I like the research, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big Yelper, but I will get a book out and read, you yeah. know, if I need to know. So, so you know, making that commitment and being like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do a marathon. That's probably the biggest piece of it. You know, then there's obviously the physical training and the mental, emotional experience of it. But I'm I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious to know like your, the experience of making that choice and finishing your first marathon, because it's a big one. I mean, my first marathon probably, man, I can't say it was the hardest one I've ever done, but I will say it's the, like, the most unknowing I've ever like just mm-hmm. going into something and just not knowing mm-hmm. like, yeah, the marathon is definitely something I don't care how much you can read or yeah. Once like once you're in it and depending on where you do it is another whole thing. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a beautiful experience, but it hurts. Mm-hmm. It really does hurt, man. It hurts your body, you know, but you can re- like, you can do it. I think that's the beauty in like in doing it that like it hurts so bad so at some points like physically because you just didn't take the right nutrition or you dehydrate it's not like it just hurt because it hurts like mm-hmm. something something didn't add up but that's not because you didn't know you just didn't know like you know you know if it's your first time or if it's your hundredth time mm-hmm. and you think you know everything and like I took all the right stuff but even then something can go wrong Mm-hmm. And it's still going to hurt, you know? Yeah. So the idea that, like, the first time I ever did it, like, I just didn't know how bad it was going to hurt. Right. I just knew it would, but I was ready to, like, deal with it, you know? Right. And I had people there to help support me, which was awesome, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's the the key component in that whole experience is that, like, it's something that you take on by yourself, but at the end of it, you finish with everybody saying, yeah, you did it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, God, I did it. And you're like, you're crying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because you're like, oh, God, I don't want to do this again. And then you walk away and go, when am I going to do this again? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I feel like that's, I mean, that's a special experience to have. You know, when you push yourself beyond what you thought you might be able to do. And it's hard. But then you're like, well, now I can do it again. Now I can do more. Now there's... I can feel that support of the community around it. How can I do it better? You know? Yeah. And and especially with running, you know, I mean, I think like you can have that with like rock climbing or cycling, but I just think that like with running, it's something that when you were a kid, like if you played sports, right. If you, if you messed up, you had to run laps. So you have to like do a, you know, sprints Mm -hmm. or suicides. I don't like to use that word, you know, but back and forths. Yeah. Um, you know, it was punishment. Mm-hmm. So you got to like, oh man, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But as you get older and you start to see like lifestyle, right? What is lifestyle? Like what's fitness mm-hmm. and running becomes something more of a fitness lifestyle. And then you say, oh, wow, well there's competing and then there's a community. And now it becomes something bigger than just being fit. Mm-hmm. And it just, and you moving because that's the other part, just like the independent movement. 
Mm-hmm. Like the idea that I have to get up and it's raining outside and I'm going to go run today, you know, or my leg hurts, my back hurts, but I'm still going to go run today. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, there's, there's so much power in putting ourselves in an uncomfortable situation and, and overcoming that. Um, right. And I had the same experience in high school, especially it was like, yeah, running was a punishment. It was like to be on the basketball team, you had to run like a two and a half kilometers at a certain time. Or if you messed up, the team was running, yeah, yeah, running lines or whatever it was. So it took me until my mid twenties and it was through injury that playing soccer, uh, where I was like, okay, well I need to start moving my body again. Running is like relatively safe. You know, I can run in a straight line and not worry about tearing something. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, it's sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, the levels. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think I read somewhere that you mentioned something about running a marathon specifically and like training for a marathon is more than training for that race day. You're sort of training for life. You know, like you mentioned all those different components. I wonder like how you sort of, use that metaphor for, for life and all the other aspects of it. I mean, you know, what is the marathon, right? It's a voluntary endurance event. What is life? Mm -hmm. In essence, it's a voluntary endurance event. You didn't choose to be here. You appeared one day, Mm -hmm. right? So now you got to do this thing. It's kind of tough. It sucks, but you enjoy it sometimes. (laughs) You know, and then sometimes you don't, Mm -hmm. but at the end of it, you know, you're going to get something pretty awesome, whether that's a sense of accomplishment or a shiny little medal. Mm -hmm. So if life is comparative to what a marathon would be, what's our shiny medal, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody has a different shiny medal or everybody has a different self-accomplishment. So the same dedication it takes to get up and run Mm-hmm. It's the same dedication it takes to get up and actually be a wife or a husband, mm-hmm. um, to go to college, mm-hmm. to go to high school, to go to elementary school, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you, you know, we discount little little dudes, you know, like, oh, yeah. they're little and he's going to do what we tell them. They're yeah. humans. You know, we're telling them to embrace their feelings, but then dashing them as soon as they have them. Yeah. You know, so it's like that whole balance, like when you really look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like the marathon is life. Like Kipchoge said it, but like, if you really look at what life is and then you look at what that race is, it's just an endurance event mm-hmm. and how we train for it and how we prepare for it daily. Right. And mm-hmm. if we want to act, if we want to actively engage in it daily. Yeah. Cause some days you just want to sprint and some days you want to go for a long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, in both cases, you know, when you're in those moments of it just sucking and feeling hard, have you discovered tools uh, mentally, emotionally, physically for, you know, pulling yourself out of that or, um, you know, be it meditation or yoga or different things like that, that sort of help navigate the harder times? Um, Confidence. Yeah. You know, I'd have to say a lot of times... Well, when I first started, like, training for the marathon, it's working with Tom and Max, a lot of meditation, and just learning how to, like, focus and train focus and use focus in running. Mm -hmm. So, for me, a lot of it is, like, if there's a really tough point in my run, 
I just remember like, you know, anything can motivate you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cheesy, but you know, my coach said to me, you don't have to, like, you're a strong runner. You don't have to run with all that emotion. Just mm-hmm. run. And whenever it's, whenever it sucks, mm-hmm. I just remember, yo, you're a strong runner. So just run. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Not just dig in. I dig in, you know, and it's like, let's go from here. You know, and if you got to stop, you got to stop. But if not, you go, man. You yeah. go until you can't go anymore. And it's, it's because you got it in you. Mm-hmm. You just got to prove it to yourself. Yeah. That's all. You know, when yeah. I think about like the marathon and like, you know, the coaching as- aspect and what I, that's what I just try to help people do, you know, like believe in that confidence that they have in themselves, like digging in, you know, to get back to that. Yeah. I was going to bring up the coaching piece after that. Cause I find, you know, it's one thing to do it for ourselves and, you know, fight through, have some sense of accomplishment and to then make that sort of transition to be like, okay, now I have something to share now. I can help other people, you know, walk this path and maybe avoid potholes that I've stepped in, you know, and just yeah. like, you know, have their own experience and be a guide for that. You know, how is that sort of transition period into into being a coach yourself? Um, It's weird a little bit, but I'm used to it now. Mm-hmm. I think in the beginning, it was more like, yeah, I want to be a coach. I want to coach people. And then I was like, why? Like, you just want to help people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, titles are very encompassing, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm more like less title and more like action in a sense. So I love coaching. To be called a coach, thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, like I really appreciate that from everybody. But like, I have a coach, like we all have coaches, like life coach, coach, mentor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so coaching and being able to help people um, understand, once again, that confidence in doing an act, Mm -hmm. right? That's what running is. Running is just a a repetitive act. Mm -hmm. So within that repetitive act, there's levels. So you can kind of stay at the same place unless you start to believe something different. Mm -hmm. That's where the coach comes in with running. I believe what I believe, but like I just said, like he said, yo, I'm a strong runner. I believe this guy. He ran 26 marathons. He's like top 100 in the New York City Marathon every time he does it. Like, yeah, that guy says I'm a strong runner. I'm a strong runner. Right. Right. So if I've run X amount of races and people look at what I've done as like these accomplishments, which to me are so minor in the like scope of what how Mm -hmm. i'm stacking up like it's like we all have a stack Mm -hmm. so like where my stack is is like yo thanks but that what you really consider to be great is it's very mediocre (laughs) but but i appreciate it all yeah and and in understanding that is like it's just like what i've done is something that these people have yet to do and they aspire to do so Mm -hmm. i motivate them to do it I, I appreciate that. It's humbling. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing, you know? So yeah, I'm going to, this is what I did, mm-hmm. you know? And this is what this guy showed me and the guys before him showed him. And these mm-hmm. are the greats, you know, these aren't, you run at a mill guys. These are the, these are the greats. So mm-hmm. if the greats showed him and then he's showing me and I'm showing you, and then mm-hmm. you're going to show the next person 
then we're only passing down greatness. Yeah. You know, and I think it's interesting how you mentioned, you know, your old coach told you that you're a strong runner and you believe that. And that like gave you almost giving yourself the permission to be a strong runner. You know, how much of the, that coaching process is on the mental side of it and, and, you know, giving people the ability to believe that they can accomplish or achieve or, you know, even try to do some of yeah. these things. Um, I'd have to say it's, the mental aspect of it is once again through the action, but mentally it's just mm. a lot of removing self negative. I say like when, like when we're in session, I say there's no negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, Oh, I didn't do that right. Or I didn't run well or whatever. Even in life, there's no negative self-talk right now. We are focused on this. It's not about, how fast we're going. If it's about how fast we're going and that's the mission for that specific session, then that's that. That's all we're going to worry about. You know, I compartmentalize the sessions. Mm -hmm. So I remove everything that you don't need to worry about. And we only worry about what we need to worry or focus Mm -hmm. because the word worry, once again, vocabulary Mm -hmm. as we tend to use it, right? So we focus on what we want to focus on. Everything else is removed doing that through action so if we're going to run three miles at a medium effort then let's just do that Mm -hmm. let's prepare ourselves for that before we do it that's what we're going to do so i'm already talking about it Mm -hmm. i'm already getting it in your mind that it's going to be relaxed you know we're stretching we're pulling let's so this is what we're going to do today all right Mm -hmm. because you don't know i don't tell you like i don't i don't put like what I send you for a workout for the week is what you do. When you meet with me is what we do. Right. Completely. It's completely different. It's like you get homework and then we're going to work on something. And then you go to class. Right. Yeah. So the idea is that for that section, we're going to focus on that thing, but I'm already prefacing before we do the action. Mm-hmm. Like it's just preparing mentally those three to four minutes in talk and in speech. Mm-hmm. Like this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to approach it. And I, and like I approach it with them in that manner, or if it's a group, mm-hmm. there's someone that's leading that group for that run. And, and they already know like, okay, cool. This is the effort. Mm-hmm. So it's building mentally before. So like, if you ever go to like, you go to amusement park, right? Like you get there. Oh my God, which roller coaster am I going to get on? And you see like this really big, crazy, scary one. And you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to get on that. <laughs> But then your friend convinces you, like, come on, man, like, come on. So you're waiting in the line, the line, line, you wait, you wait, wait, you get there, and you're like, oh, man, I got to get on this thing. Mm-hmm. You get on it, and it's either your, yeah. you know, yeah. that's what session is. Mm-hmm. Session is a roller coaster. You just got to let go. Mm-hmm. You come, you don't know what to expect, but you let go. Like, you engage for that. Because right. it's part of the process and like being able to open up for that bigger day, you know, like training only sets you up for the bigger day, mm-hmm. you know, and it's only one day. Like that's the other thing about a marathon. It's only one day. Yeah. And it's only even a few hours. <laughs> right. You know, it's over in like, for most people, it's over in like two, you know, the fast guys, you know, two hours and 45 minutes faster. Yeah. And then for the average person, four hours and 30 minutes slower and mm-hmm. still if you take it on a long day say it's an eight hour day mm-hmm. 
it's over though. Yeah. So what was everything prior to the eight hour day? Yeah. You know, and what did you take away from the eight hour day? Did it just suck and you got a medal? Or did it like you woke up every day when it was raining and it was cold? Yeah. You know, and you had to go to work and you got off work and your girlfriend was mad at you and you still went and ran the 15 miles that you said you were going to run. Yeah. At 7.30 pace. Yeah. With all of that weight from you. And then you got to come see me. So I'm going to tell you, like, it's okay. Let all of that go. Because mm-hmm. we came to do this. You know, that's what my coach does for me. Like, yo, you got to leave all that out there. Yeah. Because when we come here, like, you know, it's it's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're coming here to hurt. It's training. Yeah. It's life. You yeah. get you get You get a good thing after that, you know? Yeah. People look to avoid it. Yeah, I think, I mean, that builds so much resilience and self-belief. And, you know, I think that your that approach to the negative self-talk that you mentioned is is so important, too, because our words really hold so much more power than we're ever taught, you know, for the most part. And it's like, 100%. it's like those come from our thoughts. So, you know, by working backwards, if we're able to change those thoughts and words through action and like that retraining process like i can imagine you must see pretty like magical transformations you know in somebody training for six months or three months or whatever oh man it's you know i don't i guess i don't really talk about it you know because it's not for me to say like i've trained this person and they've hit this marathon mile that's not for me to say Mm -hmm. if they want to say that great you know if if the people i've coached want to put that on instagram and um, thank you. Yeah. But if I helped you reach that goal, that's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. That's all I ever wanted to do. And that's, and that's dope, mm-hmm. you know, because now you're going to go do that for somebody else, hopefully, you know, yeah. in yeah. some capacity. Well, I think whether they go and coach somebody else or maybe just inspire somebody else to do something yeah. they didn't yeah. think that they could do that right, often right. does ripple out. And I wonder like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people value like, okay, well, I ran this marathon time and then I got to this time. But I wonder, like, you know, from day one to day 365 or whatever it is, you know, that person might show up for training and be like, oh, here we go. Like time for the pain, like pain teacher or whatever. But like they yeah. might show up with a smile, you know, months down the road and like their approach to it, I imagine, must change and and that echoes out through life. Oh, completely. I, I think like with anything you do, right? The, the, the more we commit to it, the, I don't want to say easier it becomes, but the more bearable and acceptable it becomes, mm-hmm. right? We have, we have more acceptance and allowance to the, to the, to the subject. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in that capacity, it's a, it's a, it's a willingness once again for you to kind of like let go mm-hmm. and say, well, this thing is what I've committed to. Like I voluntarily said I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. No one made me like, mm-hmm. you know, no one makes you get up and go to work every day. You got to pay your rent <laughs> or yeah. eat. Yeah. So like, so marathon training is just an extension of that in the sense that, you know, now we're going to push the body yeah. to, to that, like to a limit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, something you mentioned earlier too, 
I thought was interesting the idea of you know somebody looking at you and your accomplishments and being like oh my god that's that's amazing I mean but you've also you know got teachers mentors and people that have inspired you and you know feel like you don't stack up against them and to some extent like that sort of comparison can be inspiring and healthy but there's a you know the flip side of that is oh completely can be negative too i wonder how you sort of walk that balance between just like feeling and believing that you are the best version of yourself doing the best you can today and being inspired by other people to push yourself and do more oh yeah i mean well like comparative like you know i always say like my chapter 12 is not your chapter 30 mm-hmm. we're looking at the book at different places mm-hmm. you know so like i really can't compare i could but it wouldn't be fair mm-hmm. it wouldn't be fair to me and it definitely wouldn't be fair to you but it's definitely it's just not fair to me mm-hmm. and i think a lot of times we just don't look at it that way mm-hmm. you know like like my coach is my competition all day long but I know that at the end of the day, what I know is what I know. And whenever I go to him for advice and I say like, Hey, I'm going to talk to people about whatever. He's like, yeah, cool. That sounds, yeah. You know what you're talking about? Like, you know, I've done it enough. It's almost like I've done it enough to know I've, I've done it enough. <laughs> I'm so comparing myself. And when I, when, like when people compare, I just say like, you know, there's no need to do that because it's, it's an unfair balance of capability. So if me and you both run, we're both in our same age group, but let's say you sleep 10 hours a night and I only sleep four. Mm-hmm. Automatically on the, on the stance of competitiveness, who's like, you know, mm-hmm. but we're not talking about that when we see each other. Like, hey, how much you sleep last night? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just looking at you rip through these hundred meter laps and I'm like, Jesus Christ, God's killing me right now. <laughs> you know, but it's like, so no compare, just kind of be, you know, mm-hmm. and know that what you're doing is what you're doing for right then. And it's your time. Like when I first started running, I was like, I'm gonna run a two fifty five marathon. That's hard. Mm-hmm. That is really hard. That's hard, man. That's hard. Sounds sounds easy. <laughs> when you see people doing it, it looks very easy, right? But once you start having to do that and you've never run in forever, oh, that's that's a lot of eating. It's a lot of food, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But you set that goal, you stick to it, and then it might not – we have a very bad concept of time. Mm. So it's a construct. We created it. Time is not what we – that's another conversation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I felt like that should have happened immediately. Not only till three years later, after learning what a marathon is, how to train, eating right, drills, sleeping, supplements, all of these different things that a competitive marathoner does to reach those times. Mm-hmm. Now I get it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, pot smoking beer me. Like, yeah, I'm running a marathon. It's like, yo, you, man, you got to slow down. That's gonna, <laughs> this is going to hurt. But I ran my first one in like under four hours, and I, and I heard that was a cool thing. And I was like, all right, well, all right. I almost died. <laughs> Both legs are going to fall off immediately. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's a, you know, part of this series is about sustainable well-being. And 
um, or the theme of the series. And and running does take a beating on the body. Um, so you know, I'm curious to know, yeah, the, the, some of the tools you mentioned, sleep and diet and these things. Like, what are some of the tools that allow you to keep training and running and staying active and not, you know, laid up on the on the couch trying to just get back out yeah. there? I mean, honestly, you know, things that I have to do, um, foam rolling is like the number one thing I would mm. say. A lot of times we, we look at stretching, like stretching is like from like the 1970s, mm. you know, and there's different types of stretches, different types of stretching. So a lot of times we're stretching things that we don't need to stretch. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, the biggest thing that I've learned is sleep. Like sleep is like number one. Like yeah. sleep is the number one recovery tool. Like the American philosophy, like no sleep, keep going. Yeah. Like that is not the way, mm-hmm. not the way that's the wrong way. That's completely the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Sleep is the way. Like sleep, proper nutrition, you know, eating the right foods for the activity that you're doing, mm-hmm. understanding like food versus fuel, mm-hmm. like fueling for the race versus eating, like regular, you know, training versus life. Mm-hmm. So so those, those two different dynamics, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, it sounds like you made some pretty big lifestyle changes over the last few years as you got into running and supporting the running through those things. Um, yeah, like with the nutrition piece, how how has that played into, you know, running, but beyond that to life in general? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I'm 41. Yeah, 41. So I've really never dealt with like weight issues or anything, but I'm 41. Mm-hmm. So. I'm not Benjamin Button. So <laughs> let's just say you get a, you get like another 40 good ones, right? Mm-hmm. How do you want them to be? Yeah. You want to be like, you know, or do you want to be, you know, yeah, straight up and, and feeling good? So at 41, it's about eating the right food. Um, you know, I have a pretty plant-based diet. I just kind of started by eating chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, you know, the good Trader Joe's, Whole Foods style stuff, you mm-hmm. know, all that organic overpriced (laughs) chicken but i mean food's food but um yeah just like and just recognizing that when i was completely plant-based and not eating properly running way too much you Mm -hmm. know working like body working but not working optimally is just more like a default like i'm fit Mm -hmm. so like my body's operating so after like i got hit by a car and after doing after that and then like recovery and then running the marathon after hit getting hit by the car, mm-hmm. like eating food became something more like, all right, well, my, my body mass, cause mm-hmm. I was really thin. Like, you know, I'm running like 80 to a hundred miles a week. I probably weighed at that time, maybe like 165, 168. Mm-hmm. Like I'm one, I'm like 185 right now. Right. Maybe 190. I'm feeling good. You know, mm-hmm. Co- body's completely different. So running with that weight's different. Yeah. So manage. So managing that and nutrition and mm-hmm. it being a key thing where like runners kind of get this like runner's weight and then like a non-runner's weight. Mm-hmm. Like being able to kind of like keep it balanced so mm-hmm. that your body isn't 
you know, left or right, but more like just in the middle. So, you know, I really couldn't tell anybody what to eat. You know, I'm not a nutritionist. But for me, like, you know, just making sure that I had like, you know, those like essential carbs, proteins, supplements, vitamin A, D, um, you know, ashwagandha, turmeric, ginger, Mm -hmm. those type of things, you know, to just help fuel your like fuel the training. Yeah. A lot of Ayurvedic roots. That's what I'll say. Okay. You know, a lot lot of adaptogens. Mm -hmm. Those are good. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. And I think, you know, a lot of people look at runners and they see super thin, lean people, uh, men, women, you know, there's something that that can be like a block for some people. And, you know, even I for somebody like your like yourself, I like don't putting look like a runner. Right. Well, you know, that's where I was kind of going with it. It's like on one hand, like you don't necessarily look like a runner in terms of just like the muscle mass and like that level right. of fitness. But on the other hand, there's also, you know, being a black man and looking at the culture of running historically has been so white. Um, You know, I wonder, like, what your experience sort of getting into running, you know, culturally, but then also getting into it, you know, as brands hit you up for photo shoots and things like that and what that experience is like. Um, That is super flattering. All right. (laughs) We are all comers. I'm joking. Um, No. So like, seriously, though, to think about running. Right. So as I said, um, high school, you know, I'm running track. Right. There was a cross country team now. Right. Now, there's a team called cross country. Mm -hmm. A lot of little white girls, little white boys on the team. Mm -hmm. Not too many little black girls and black boys on the team. Right. Why? Because the marketing is that you should run track. Right. Right. And then when, well, when I see it, like, I don't see anyone that remotely looks like me that's good at this doing it. I don't even mm-hmm. know anything about it, but Michael Johnson is kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Excuse my French. That's the dude that I need to look like. Mm-hmm. Carl Lewis, uh, you know, Flojo. Yeah. You know, but little did we know, or that, you know, maybe privy to, you know, I was in the South in a very small town. You know, there was this guy named Ted Corbett who, like, created long-distance running in America, and he's the godfather of of long-distance running, and he's black. What? Mm -hmm. Did I find this out four years ago? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So (laughs) this dude is the – it's in a book. He is the god – he's the father, not even the godfather. He's the father of long-distance running in America. How dare they not speak his name? Right. Why do we just know about him? Mm-hmm. You got all these white people running around. Fred LeBeau. He hanging out with them. Y'all friends. Mm-hmm. You got this, got the short guy statue in the park, but you don't have the guy who created the route for the New York City Marathon statue in the park. Right. It's okay. Like, I understand. It's just America being America. Mm-hmm. So, you know, me now... It's like Superman. Like, I'm going to carry that. Like, cool. Because this country has always kind of relayed the message to black people about who they were. Mm-hmm. And what, because it's like, we took all the books. So now we can tell you who you are. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you can't tell me who I am. I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Give me them books. Let me get that information and find out for myself. Don't relay the message. Let me read it. Right. So now we're reading the message. Now we're seeing, oh, Ted Corbett? Okay, cool. 
um, you know, for a long time running for me was um, very tough because I'd go to Central Park and be like, hey, God, man. No, not today. Not today. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing it. I just, I can't. I just didn't have the confidence to run with all these white people. Right. It was weird. It was so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. How weird is that? A free park in the coming age, and I'm a man that don't want to go running there because nobody looks like me. Mm-hmm. But white people running all over the, everywhere. Carefree, they don't care. Like, I don't care. But that's white. Like, if you're white, you don't care. Yeah. If you're black, you have to care. Like, you have to care about certain things if you're black. Yeah. You don't have to, though. Right. You hear what I just said? Mm-hmm. You have to care, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to care. You can live just like how white people live because we're all people. Yeah. I'm not a black man. I'm a man. Yeah. I'm only black because that's what you see. Yeah. You know? If you saw me like your uncle, I wouldn't be a black man. You see, you say, hey, uncle, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Good to see you. And if you loved me like that, then you would call me uncle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So running, so running while black, as we know, can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. You can get shot. You can die. It's like life or death. Not for me, but it has been for some people, you mm-hmm. know? So I don't carry that when I go run. Yeah. It's too heavy. It's way too heavy to carry that. Man, I'm about to cry now. Um, that's deep. Yeah, that is heavy. I mean, it is heavy. And like you said, like, we are all people for sure. But the reality is a lot of, you know, white people don't have to care or don't have to worry about it or consider it or overcome it in the same way. And it's crazy. And it feels like these days there's at least a little bit more awareness and compassion for oh, yeah. what other people are having to deal with. But I wonder, you know, with your coaching and and your platform, um, you know, sharing some of that history of the the fathers of long distance running in America you know, that there is this lineage, that there is, you know, this history that's, it's maybe not been like tried to be hidden from people, but definitely like the history books are edited and, right. Completely. you know. Yeah, I look. mean, it's all about the, it's all about the edit. Mm-hmm. It's always about the edit, you know, mm-hmm. you can get all the raw footage, but it's really about the edit. Yeah. Um, for me, like, it's really never an issue, you know, like we really, mm-hmm. ne- like, I really never bring it up. I really, you know, when issues arise, like, you know, all my white friends are like, oh, I can't believe, you know, as they would be because mm-hmm. they're caring, mm-hmm. you know, but when any of these situations occur or have occurred, I just say like, what if it were me? Yeah. Like just what feeling does that put in you right now? Mm-hmm. If it were me. And if that feeling radiates for me, then let it radiate for everybody that look like me, not yeah. just me. Yeah. Everybody that look like even you got to know them. if you look like me, that same feeling because mm-hmm. it could have been me in the same way my family loved me. And I could have did wrong things in life or did right things in life. I might not. I didn't deserve that. Yeah. You know, that. you know, so this is heavy. But, you know, we run. And, and I run because it's just motivating, you know, it's something like I tell everybody, our coaches, like, what can you do every day 
that gives you accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Push-ups and running, kind of. <laughs> you know, most physical fitness because you can do more. Like you can yeah. never out push up. Like I don't know. Like I don't know. Like you can just do more. Yeah. You know, there's different types. Like running is just like you can run a mile, you can run fifty miles, you run a hundred miles. Like you can always set that goal. Same thing with with money. You know, mm-hmm. but that becomes a lot more stressful. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a lot of different levels, but with running, you can constantly at whatever level, novice to expert, sharpen your sword. Mm-hmm. You know, you can always kind of get sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's really important, you know, and it's just one step each day. Cause yeah, you can go from one mile to 50 miles to a hundred miles, but you're not doing that in three days. Right. Oh no. Never. It's <laughs> one mile to did, one and a half miles to two you know, miles. Not to call any, you know, not calling anybody out, you know, much love to the David Goggins brother, much love, you know, mm-hmm. there's extremism and a lot of people dive into that. I'm more about balance. Mm-hmm. There's a place for everything, you know? So I'll, I always tell all everybody I coach, everything isn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. Know that, you know? So you you might just be a half marathon guy and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's the most savage race ever. Like I love it. Mm-hmm. It's over fast. Mm-hmm. Or you might not even race. You might just, just like running mm-hmm. and that's extra dope. You know, it's, it's what you put on it. Like, you know, we put so many things on things like, well, I run and now mm. I'm, I feel so free, but like, well, they just told you you can't run now. What? Yeah. Everybody's stressed out because you can't go run. Yeah. You got to stay in your house. The cooties is outside. Oh, don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So now go run. Oh, I'm free again. You have that feeling anyway. Yeah. Like, you know, putting like, you know, putting an expectation on an event as we usually do or a feeling on something, you know, over the past months, I've been like removing that from from running. Mm-hmm. And just letting it be, you know, it's not like running is my release. And it's like, what if they, what if I can't run? Mm-hmm. Then I've put everything in everything into running being this thing that like gives me this peace. And now I have to unlearn a way to like, but what if we just don't put it on running? What if we just let running be running? Yeah. Yeah. That is, I think that is like extremely potent wisdom and learning because it is so natural for us to get attached to an event or an activity as the thing that we do. It's a part of our identity. It's the way we, you know, express ourselves, find joy, find peace. But in reality, like you said, it can be taken away from us. And I've had that experience with, with injury and physical issues where I haven't really been able to to have that experience. And so it forces me and people to go within and, you know, generate that peace or joy or those, those feelings from within, which is where the ultimate freedom I feel like is. Oh yeah. But, uh, it's, it's a tough path to, to walk sometimes. And, you know, you mentioned you got, you got hit by a car, you know, and I've had, you know, ACL surgery, uh, you know, how do you deal with that? You know, having that taken away from you and still being um, able. So it was kind of funny. Like I told one of my homeboys today, I said, yo, I got to let it go. Mm-hmm. 
I said, I talk about it too much. He was like, what? I, like, I talk about getting hit by the car. I was like, it's like part of my identity. Like I got the scar mm-hmm. and like I talk about it. And it's like, I don't want to talk about it too much anymore. And not an aggressive, like I talk about it, but it's like, it's becoming a part of the narrative and it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. It's just an item that made things happen. A very noticeable item. But it's not, it's just part of the story. Yeah. So like, you know, let it kind of go. But um, it changed me. It changed. You get hit by a car, man. Like, it's adrenaline at first because, you know, what's happened. Mm-hmm. But then after that, it's like, well, okay, I'm supposed to run New York City Marathon. Like, literally, like, can you imagine this? You're riding a bike, headed to your client. Like, you left, client A, you left. Riding bike to client B. At light. Yeah. Wake up. The first thing you think Anything broken? Did I break my phone? <laughs> Let me take a picture. Everything's okay. That's kind of bad. I think I'll be able to run the marathon. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Bro, you just got hit by a car. Like, they're swooping me up, putting stuff on me. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be out of here in a couple hours. Like, I'm in so much shock that, like, it's yeah. not even hitting me yet. By the time I get to the hospital, I'm still sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, I, I still got to run the marathon. Like my leg hurts, mm-hmm. nothing's broken, you know, I'm going to be able to run. So then the doctor comes in, he's, oh, I think you got some torn. Oh my God, I break down. I'm like, I put this post on Instagram. I can't run a marathon, guys. Oh, man. Yeah. Then I was like, wait a minute. All right, I got to go to physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Physical therapy, getting better. And the doctor says, well, you can run. I said, what? He said, you can run. I said, I run what? He said, you can run. I said, well, how far? He's like, you can run. I said, I said, you're telling me I can run. Like, can I run one mile or 50 miles? He's like, however many miles you feel you can run. Hmm. Okay. That Saturday, I said, I'm going to go run six miles. I ran 12. That was the last 12 miles of the New York City Marathon. I was pretty much convinced that I couldn't do it on the day. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of like chilled out. And I just knew I had the volume of work mm-hmm. from weeks prior in my body. I had it in the legs. I had it in the mind. I just mm-hmm. had to be able to convince myself like, All right, you're not going to do this fast. Right. It's probably not going to be as pretty as you want it to be, but you're going to get it done because there's a lot of people that need to see you do this. But you need to do it because you need to see you do it. But let these people see you do it, too. So that whole marathon that I ran last year was all about people going, man, like he got hit by a car. It was a lot of ego, Mm -hmm. but a lot of like, you can do this. Like, I didn't die. Like. I got hit by a car and it shook me and it, and it, but you, I'm no different than anybody else. I may be an egomaniac at the present moment, but I love marathoning. I love this thing. I do this thing. I trained for this. You're not going to take it from me. Mm -hmm. You're not. I got it. I got it in me. The doctor said I can move. It was painful, man. But it was one of the best marathons that like, I mean, one of the best times I've ever had. Like last year, marathon experience was crazy because I was hurt. I was coming off an injury both marathon. Mm. So I really didn't get to like the one race that I was supposed to really, really do good at. I did what I was supposed to do, but it wasn't like the, 
Yeah. It's the expectation that we say, you know, like you set mm. the expectation. So I ended the year deflated, mm. but it was beautiful because it got me to this place where I'm at now. Where mm. I'm like, well, yeah, just run to run mm-hmm. and not put this immediate pressure on yourself to execute. Now's not the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit, you know, something. Yeah. I saw you share last winter uh, on your Instagram was the idea of, you know, tapping back into your creativity through fashion and design and kind of being like, all right, I'm ready to like, you know, open back up to this and, and, you know, explore that, that side of your creativity, you know, and it's something you can do alongside being a runner and a coach and these other things, you know, I think that, kind of with that idea of identity again you know human beings are just so complex you know we have so many facets and and elements to how we exist in life you know you know what was that process like for you to sort of open that you know tap back up to that creative side of yourself the the car hit you know Mm -hmm. like i had you know if you've ever been like good at sports like successful something drives you right what is it it's something you can call it ego we all got it it's something but then when that's not there Mm. you feel empty it's a thing when you're a competitor right like in some way no matter what it is in your life you're competing to be like recognized because you know like i to be number one in america like this is america nobody (laughs) wants to be number three it's be number one or don't be yeah that's the truth now if you're listening to that b number three crap that's bad because american way is b number one right and that's how we all should be anyway but running was great like people like like me i'm good at this thing it's my mm-hmm. identity i'm like you said the brands are calling a couple of things are happening yes Mm-hmm. the dream again right when i was a kid yeah boom olympics or about up well not olympics but it's the marathon mm-hmm. i'll take it it's like adult publicity cool i'll take it i'm good <laughs> at this thing i like it car hit smack i can't identify with that anymore mm-hmm. what, what what do i identify with who am i now i don't even what what and who am i mm-hmm. and i had a like conversation with tom from dv hmm i want to say like maybe a year before the car accident i think it was like a year time and once again this time's crazy for me so the conversation was basically you know it's black excellence brother that's what he said to me he's like you have it all so show all Hmm. show all don't just show one show all don't show one thing that you're good at you're good at so many things like don't be afraid to show that you're good at all of them. Mm-hmm. Once again, somebody telling you something that you can believe in, right? So, boom, I'm like, yo, I'm, you know, I look up to Max and Tom. They got a good business. You know, they're good businessmen. They're great mentors, good dudes. And they're young, you know? So for them to put in all that work, it's, a, it's commendable. So mm-hmm. once again, commendable people. They tell you something, you say, okay, cool. I started, I just jumped back in. I was like, all right, these are the things I need. When mm-hmm. you get hit by a car, you get some money. <laughs> so, so I put a little money away and got some equipment, you know, mm-hmm. and started making this dream really happen. 
for myself. You know, I've worked for so many other people, worked with so many other people that I just bet on myself. So I bought the machines. You know, mm-hmm. I knew how, I taught myself how to sew a couple years ago off of YouTube, like out of, out of need that like I wanted a jacket and everybody kept telling me it cost a thousand dollars. I was like, I'm not giving you a thousand dollars because I don't <laughs> have it. Like, like if I had it, yeah, I'd give it to you, but I don't have it. So there got to be a, a cheaper way. The cheaper way was spend a thousand dollars on a sewing machine and teach myself how to make the jacket. Right. And now I'm, then I'm making jackets. Mm-hmm. And I'm making money off the jackets. So when I was going to pay somebody a thousand dollars to make me one jacket, I spent a thousand dollars and made a nice bit of money off the jackets. Mm. You know, American way, entrepreneurship. It's true. Yeah, it is true. That is the American way. But I do feel like most people, you know, are, we are, we live in a culture of convenience now, where <sighs> it's amazing. You know, like everything. Who doesn't is, love Amazon? Yeah, it's easy and it can be, but. There's something so much more rewarding to putting in that work, creating something with your own hands. And that's also like a more responsible and sustainable way to create in the world going forward. Well, you know, it's like removing competition um, and and placing creation. Like I listened to this audio book by a guy named uh, Wallace Waddles, um, The Science of Being Rich. It's a really good audio book. But he just speaks about, like, in the book, the idea that, like, you know, you just need money in this physical realm. I'll leave it at that. And out of competitiveness, it's a certain energy involved in competitive versus the energy in creative is whole. Mm-hmm. Not to say that competitive is not whole. It's just a different energy. Mm-hmm. So what comes back from the energy is different. Mm-hmm. where in creation it's pure i'm not here to compete with you i'm just here to create with you mm-hmm. so it's out of genuine need and necessity that this thing comes about versus me say you made this thing and now i want to make mine better than yours right the energy is different mm-hmm. so being in a in a creation or creative energy that's just kind of where i'm at so it's just like more like let's create versus compete and that's even in ourselves like, mm-hmm. like less, less competition. It's okay to compete. And there's a time and place for everything, like I said, but we're in a time where we have to slow down. Time has shown us that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're observant, yeah, 90 day time out, you know, all the stuff boarded up, mm-hmm. stores closed, you know, people are like, Oh, you didn't, if you didn't walk away from this, learn, uh, you know, if you didn't learn anything, you didn't learn anything. Great. If you did, oh, well, congratulations. Mm-hmm. You know, we got so much more to do. We got so much more to go. Yeah. You know? It's just really about that balance of knowing that. Mm-hmm. Like there's just a lot more, you know? So yeah. being able to engage the more, like without expectation. I might have got off topic. No, I think that's that's a great answer. You know, it's something that I... I keep thinking about and keeps coming up is this idea of creating without attachment. And oh, it's tough though. How do you do that? It It is tough, you know, because it's so easy to see what other people are doing and see, okay, well, if I do this, I can maybe go this route and it may not be as directly competing, but there is still like a competitive element, which creates sort of more of a derivative creation rather than just letting your own, 
sort of creative right. vision come out in that more so, like whole and pure way, which is the thing that people would ultimately resonate with more strongly, but it's trusting that process that can be challenging. You know, I think that there's elements to trusting our own voice and feeling comfortable and vulnerable enough to let that out, not knowing what people might think or judge. Um, sometimes there, you know, we can create ideas around like, well, I need this money to invest to make my idea how I want it to rather than right. starting small. Just creating it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. funny that you say it. Like I told my daughter that the other day, she was like, she was just telling me that um, she has so much going on and like I graduated and I'm like, well, and I just can't make any art for me. Hmm. I said, well, time is a construct, right? I said, if you make time for everything else, I said, I said, you watch Umbrella Academy. She goes, yeah, I love that show. I said, well, what did the old man tell the kid? He told him, yo, you jumping too far. Like you're doing too much. Like mm-hmm. bring it down. Like think about seconds. You're thinking days, years, mm-hmm. seconds. And I was like, yo, I was like, think about the seconds that you have in a day to doodle something. Mm-hmm. Isn't that art for you versus the art for your project? She goes, dad, I can't stand you. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's there. You just have to see it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard for me to see it sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I'm not this perfect zend out guy all the time. Like, but mm-hmm. I just do my best to kind of be aware of what I'm doing and how I'm doing with my, with time. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. it's just that awareness. Yeah, I think the awareness is key. You know, I remember I started working with a coach and he kind of prescribes this 100-day gong of meditation for 20 minutes a day. And I was having a really hard time starting it. And he was like, 20 minutes is 170 second of your day. Like, if you can't take that amount of time to commit just to your own self, to your own stillness and you know, peace for your own well-being, then like, what can, what are you going to do for yourself? You know? And it was like, yeah, that's such a small thing to be able to commit to me, but it's It's a big, big ask. (laughs) It's a big ask. Um, It's funny that you even bring that up that you're like, so I coach um, a high power, like executive young lady and she's working from home 14 hours a day. I'm like, you know, we meet, do our meetup and I'm like, so are you taking breaks? And she's (laughs) like, I'm like, come on, like, you know, get up out of your house, mm-hmm. away from your computer, outside for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. around the block, and then come back in. It's easy to do. But we are so in tune with having to do what we feel we have to do that we don't think about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So like the teacher said, like, it was only 20 minutes. I know there's a lot of things going on, but like you don't have 20 minutes for you. Mm-hmm. You're not worth the 20 minutes. Right. But everything else is worth 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I question myself with that all the time. Like, all right, cool. Like, you know, sit. Like, all right, cool. I can sit for like 10 minutes. Because mm-hmm. it's a practice, right? Like these things are called a practice. Like Islam is a practice. Mm-hmm. You know, when people ask me about like my spirituality, it's like, it's a practice. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even say my religion. You heard, you heard what I said? Mm-hmm. My spirituality? Because it's different. Religion is man-made. Mm-hmm. I practice Islam. Islam means peace. Yeah. You know, the vocabulary of, of certain things, you know, a lot of people, once again, as we were saying, like, 
our vocabulary. We just don't know the use and the power of the words mm-hmm. and, and understanding, you know? So like, you know, Islam is such a scary thing. You think bombs and terrorists and all this crazy stuff. You don't think about like, you know, peace and like charity, mm-hmm. you know, noble, like morals. You know, mm-hmm. you don't think about the good things. You just think about the dudes that's really upset. Right. It's like the really upset white dudes running around America. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's definitely a differentiation there. And even in all the, like, you know, large religions around the world, there is a pure, beautiful spirituality aspect that is, you know, embedded in the core of those. It's, you know, the religious part is like the sort of way it's been manipulated. In oh, that, completely. You know, but having that sort of spiritual practice, you know, the two things you were just saying, I think the idea of, you know, approaching life as a practice you know as holistically as you can is like you know eating can be a practice all of these things uh you know that 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 way of reframing uh, our approach can be really powerful um but specifically on the spirituality piece you know i'm curious to know for yourself you know that being something to have faith in to believe in to tap into to you know help you find you know have something that's greater than yourself in this existence um how does that sort of factor into your life um i mean so you know once again like i said i grew up in north carolina so Mm -hmm. bible belt you know slavery's big in the south so you got baptist church everybody's going to church every sunday if you don't know for the people that don't know that's Mm -hmm. what happens in the south on sunday everybody's going to church um and so the bible no offense to anyone, was edited just like any other book was edited, right? Mm -hmm. But the Quran, the Bible, you know, basically the three main religions of the world, they're all the same thing. They're all Abrahamic. They all believe the same thing um, if you do the study. So with that being said, it's all the same thing. Mm -hmm. Growing up in church, for me, was very weird because, you know, it's like, People are catching the Holy Spirit and jumping up and down and running around. And I'm like, well, is this inclusive? Mm-hmm. Because if God, like I'm going to Sunday school, you tell me like God is in all of us. And well, when the preacher starts yelling, everybody's jumping up and down. I'm not jumping up and down. I feel left out. Like, I mm-hmm. want to know why I'm not jumping up and down. And I asked my mom. And then she goes, well, it's a lot of emotion and people are going through things. And you have to understand, you got to listen to the music. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is God. And she goes, no, it's God and it's theatrics. Okay. Mm. I was like eight. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm eight. I'm eight years old. I'm asking my mom, why didn't I catch the Holy Ghost like the lady beside me? Because I want to be jumping up and down too. I feel left out. Mm -hmm. What is it? Am I going to hell? Am I a sinner? Like, what? Like, I want to know. Like, I'm afraid. Like, (laughs) he's talking about hell, fire, y'all jumping up and down. I'm not jumping up and down. Am I not the chosen one? I'm a kid. Mm So, boom, how I get to Islam is like, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Hmm. And it was like, wow, that's amazing. That's another way to like, that's another way to be religious and talk to God. Like you ain't got to jump up and down and run around and drop all your money in a plate. Yo, (laughs) I need this. So sign me up for this. I'm 10. My mom's like, wait, wait, you can't do that. You cannot do that. Well, why not? Like, this is God. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not doing nothing wrong. Malcolm X did it. Like y'all, everybody like Malcolm X. Well, except some people, but everybody <laughs> that we around like him. Yeah. What's up? Oh well, you know, just we're in the South, and you, you're going to be by yourself. There's no Muslims here. They're not going to understand that. Right. And I'm like, Mom, what are you talking about? Like, this is God. Well, your grandfather isn't going to understand why you want to be Muslim. It's mm-hmm. God. Didn't it, is it not God? I think it's God, right? I know they said Allah, but I think it's God. One God ain't it? One God in the Bible. One God in this book is God. I'm like, I'm 10, but I'm pretty good at knowing one. Right. You can't do that. It's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Door closed. Mm-hmm. Um, as many things when you're a child and you want to learn and explore. Your parents want to protect you. Mm-hmm. But it's like, this is the world. Yeah. How much protection can you give me that I'm not going to find out later? Mm-hmm. So my name is Iman. It means faith in God. That's what it means. To have Iman in Islam or Arabic means faith in God. Mm-hmm. That's what my name means. So when a lot of people ask me, where do I get it? That's where I get it. Mm-hmm. My name is my name. I can only believe in what I believe in. Mm-hmm. So I believe in me. You know, and Islam is about peace. It's not about, for me, it's about peace. And for a lot of other people that I know, it's about peace. So mm-hmm. if you're walking in a peaceful practice as in meditation or yoga or Buddhism or any other peaceful practice that you walk in, then you're emitting that. And that's mm-hmm. what it's about, you know, call it God, call it the force, what, like whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, mm-hmm. you know, there's been many names. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just my vibe. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, that's a, thank you so much for sharing about like that childhood experience. That's pretty powerful. And I imagine a lot of people can sort of relate to that. And, you know, the idea of, you know, our parents or, you know, yourself as a parent, we, you know, we want to protect our children. Our parents want to protect us. But, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the times that's, they're not doing it in a way that's helpful or educational or a way that we can understand it as children. Um, Now yourself as a father, I wonder how you've sort of learned and approached that, you know, in a general sense, you know, how can you be more open with your, with your children? How can we be more open with each other you know, allowing curiosity, allowing feelings and emotions, allowing expression, things like that. I mean, I think as a parent now, I'm just not working off old tech, mm-hmm. you know, like my mom is 71. So she was parenting me from the 1940s. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like her, her parents, like my grandfather and grandmother's ideals and fears Mm -hmm. or Mm non-fears that has been transposed and put on her and now that old tech is somewhat dropped onto me in some ways others not Mm -hmm. you know so for me like as a parent in in in, you know in this era is just kind of like you know like i tell my kids i'm not old I read the same things you read, like mm-hmm. maybe not, but like I'm <laughs> on the platforms that you frequent, I'm yeah. on the platform. Like I, I'm aware, you mm-hmm. know, so things that like, you know, mischievous things that when 
when I was a kid, you had to kind of go search for now they're clicks away. Mm-hmm. That's scary. It's about explaining, mm-hmm. you know, and you, once you've seen something, you've seen it. Mm-hmm. So it's really about the explanation now. Right. Right. And how it applies or not apply. A lot of things are not applicable. We just think they apply. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, if you, if you knew how many images your brain filtered out throughout the day, you like it blow your, it'd blow your brain. You wouldn't even believe it. <laughs> how quick is filtering things that just don't matter. Yeah. Data images. Only the things that your thoughts, are, only thing that you're thinking matter, but there's so much other stuff happening. It just, it's happening. You just don't see it because it doesn't matter to you. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I think I think at any time we're only consciously processing 5% of our environment or something like that. Right. So, you know, as a parent, I just try to keep my kids aware of, one, where they are at all times, um, their safety, just like, you know, my son, my sons, you know, don't be out being crazy, you know, be kids, mm-hmm. you know, but don't be crazy. And, you know, my sons know, like, you know, you could get killed by the police. So they, it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just different. Like my mom, like, you know, thinking back, my mom had a really tough job. I'm a black man in America. Like, you know, statistically, I'm supposed to be dead right now. We're in jail with some crazy statistics from back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, woohoo, I beat statistics. Um, so I can get it. She had, she felt like she had to be a certain way for me to kind of deal with life, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, we see it like, you know, it's crazy race in America, man. Like how we're talking here, we just kicking it, talking, you know, that it's something so easy, but it's such an ill concept that was before us. Mm-hmm. So it's like, a, like I've been talking about like a limit, like on my Instagram, I said, I said like eliminate group, negative group consciousness. Like mm-hmm. that's what we have to do. It's like, we have to eliminate that negative group consciousness, mm-hmm. you know? And, and when we can start to eliminate it, we'll start to see things change. Right. Because there's interracial marriages, kids, people, you can go, but it's a group consciousness that keeps a young lady who was shot in her sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. With no justice. Mm-hmm. It's a group consciousness that keeps that happening. Yeah. That's it. All it takes for for one person to say that was wrong and we're going to do this. It's really that easy. But we would rather put tanks, build bridges, everything to not say the right thing. That's a group consciousness. That's I'm right. And I'm going to always be right. Mm -hmm. But that's what's wrong. Right. You know what I mean? That's 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 the that's the not right part about it because let's just flip it it's not right it's just not right you know it's not about black or white it's a human thing and we just got to remove the conversation you got to remove the conversation it's hard Mm because everything's it's born in it like we're born into this conversation so how do you not talk about it how does everything not revolve around it when like you know You could well, we could walk around and act like nothing's happening. Right. Or we could walk around and be in it all day and oh, Black Lives Matter is heavy. 
or mm-hmm. oh, I'm white and then white people did all of this. Oh, oh. No, just be, man. Look, let's just be. Yeah. yeah. Let's just let's just be. Let's leave it alone. Let's not engage that conversation anymore because we know what it is. And let's create new conversation, new thought patterns, new ways to kind of like create conversation and communicate about lifestyles and similarities and, and perceptions. Because mm-hmm. the minute I see you and you see me, then we talking. Yeah. But if I don't see you and you don't see me, then it's just noise. Yeah. Well, I think fundamentally that's where, you know, some of the issues are is that we just can't see one another, be right. it race, sex, culture, religion, right, all right, of these right. things. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my experience has been, and that a lot of the time starts with not even being able to see ourselves. Right. Like, I feel like the more we are able to see ourselves and accept ourselves and connect with ourselves, we can connect with our family members, our neighbors, our community. And beyond that, like the trees on my street or the plants in the garden, right? Like is that's the perspective that's going to be needed to create a healthy new conversation that's going to not only like value the lives of every human around us, but all the plants and the oceans and the animals. Oh, yeah, completely. You know, if you don't value a tree, how could you value a human? Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Super crazy. So, you know, I hope that that's, I hope that, that, you know, all of the stuff going on in the world right now is creating more awareness around that. Cause I feel like, Oh, completely. That's, you know, and these conversations too, you know, just like getting yeah. to know one another authentically just, you know, gives birth to so much more compassion and empathy oh. for everything. And, you know, that's where the, like the unity and co-creating and collaborating collaborating is you know well, at yeah, its you best know, well like i said you know think about it right ideals we're all born into this thing voluntarily mm-hmm. so the ideal sets that we have are from parental guidance and community right ideals mm-hmm. so if you're in a place where those things are permeated then that's what happens mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's they're all thought processes so like i agree with you in that whole thing like just removing that idea and kind of getting back down to like a more basic of knowing who you are. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gets into like sports gets you into that. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's weird. That's what that teamwork does. Like you get to know who this person is, but that's what running is too. You meet up Mm -hmm. on Wednesday night. Like, you know, I didn't know this guy was a lawyer, but man, I know we're about to run these 18 miles together. And through these 18 miles, I'm going to find out like he has a kid that's sick. Yeah. And then he's going to find out that I got a kid that's like, oh, man, like, and by the time we're done with the 18 miles, I probably would have, if I would have saw you on the street, I probably would have never spoke to you. Yeah. You probably would have never spoke to me. Just walk right by. Yeah. Chips. Hey, but because we're doing this thing now. Yeah. It sucks. Right. This thing sucks. It's like, you know, it's fun, but it sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, we know each other now. We put in some work, you know. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, we have to get into that that idea of putting in more work, like with each other, you know, with ourselves, because training is individual, mm-hmm. but putting in that work with each other, you know, those conversations, mm-hmm. those, those, those things, those situations. Yeah. No, I think that's really interesting, like distinction, you know, because we do have to put in the work ourselves. We got to put in that effort and energy 
And that gives us resilience and confidence, belief in ourselves. But it's through those team sports or a running group or a training partner that something else happens that's bigger than us. You know, that experience where you bond with somebody through adversity is such a powerful thing. It wipes away all of those like surface level differences. Completely. You know, it's, you know, even watching like the last dance, you know, where it's like you see Steve Kerr and he's got like a lifetime of adversity and struggle and loss, you know, and, and now when I'm watching like a basketball game, like every single human being on that court has experienced the gamut of emotions and feelings and struggles and challenges and joys of life. And it's so easy to not, you know, give that respect to every other human, like, and realize like they've just overcome so much and deal with so much every single day. And yet here they are, you know, showing up. Right, right, right. I mean, I, that's discipline, man. Mm. You know, that's that that's the resilience that we talk about. But that's the greatest thing about being a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, is that is that we have that in us, every single one of us. Mm-hmm. Like we're all built with that. Like mm-hmm. no matter what, cap- like it's a it's like a human trait. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's in us. Like you know, so I like you know, it's weird. Like in the movies, they always have like you know, like this catastrophe thing that happens and everybody gets together and it's like mm-hmm. humans are great and it's like yeah because we're great mm-hmm. but let's just act like that without something bad happening right yeah i don't want aliens man like at least <laughs> not the aliens y'all like putting in these movies i need like nice nice ones they want to like give us more information not like the ones <laughs> that's like you guys messed up we're gonna wipe you out yeah like i don't not those guys yeah. Oh, I feel like there's more of a chance that we'll create those ourselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in the news today, we've created yeah. something else. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. yeah. Just let the plants grow, man. You don't need to sprinkle any of that new stuff on it. Just let them. <laughs> Earth was here. She she knows yeah. what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. On an individual level lately, I've been trying to, like, have this mantra and bring in this idea of getting out of my own way. You know, allow... Oh, man, it's the best. Allow that homeostasis to return, the regeneration, that that peace, because that's what our, our, like, natural state is. And that's what the natural state of the planet is. You know, we just need to get out of the way. Completely. But, I mean, how did, like, you know, when you think about it, a lot of people, at least I know I've had this, like you feel guilty when you do nothing. Mm. Yeah. How weird is that? How yeah. weird is that we're wired? Right now, somebody's watching, listening, and they're like, man, he's right. Like you shouldn't feel bad. There mm-hmm. should never be a moment of guilt when you're doing nothing. Mm-hmm. When you feel like I should, I don't want to do anything. Like I just want to, oh, I got to be doing this or this needs to be done. I got accounting for that or it's like no 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 nothing mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. and i don't and don't feel bad about it you know mm-hmm. like we have to give ourselves just this permission to just veg out yeah when that's what we need to really like regenerate and mm-hmm. like be able to like attack or not really attack that's such a harsh word you know like uh move forward mm-hmm. with the next day like you know we need that time 
being in this world that we're living in, where everybody's working at home, you might have been quarantined with your significant other, where life may have not been that at all. You probably saw each other, you know, 12 hours in a week. Now you're seeing each other 36 hours a week, and that's different. Mm -hmm. You know, where do you find that time to even reassess that? You know, you were Mm -hmm. operating on this type of schedule, now you're operating on this schedule. And it happened abruptly, like we were kind of talking earlier, mm-hmm. like abrupt change. And how do you adjust? The military teaches you how to do that very quickly. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a very quick, like, there's a drill that you do at basic training where, like, basically there's two types of um, flashes, right? So there, Or flares. There's one that, like, shoots straight up in the air and lights everything up. And then there's one that goes up. And then lights, and then it comes down very, 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 very slow. Hmm. There's two different things you have to do when one happens versus the other happening. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember that. So you get trained like, okay, when the big bright one goes up, you don't move at all. Mm -hmm. Because you're probably in the middle of an ambush and you're going to die. The second one, you might have time, run. Mm -hmm. Now, listening to that and then practicing it when you're like in these, it's complete, it's so crazy, mm-hmm. right? But that's like in a split second, you have to make a decision like, okay, boom, this flash thing just went off. Oh my God, guns are on us. I got to start shooting or flash goes up, things running. All right, cool. We can run. Maybe we'll make it out. Mm-hmm. Hey, living life. No, nice. Yeah. Tomorrow, everything's closed. Yeah. What? And you lost your job. Wait, wait, what? Mm-hmm. What are you talking? What are you talking about? Yeah. What are you talking about? I've been working at this place for 25 years. We've been open for a hundred. Mm-hmm. We're closed. I don't have a job. What unemployment? What what yeah. That happened to people. Yeah. You know, whole industries have halted and stopped, and some have regained motion, but how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm abrupt change the military kind of taught me how to deal with that emotionally mm-hmm. really quick it's an emotional shift you gotta have you know it's like a reaction to it's a non-reaction to reactions mm-hmm. that's what being in the military is really mm-hmm. a non-reaction to reactions you have to be able to go okay this thing just happened what do i have to do yeah. like somebody's literally shooting bullets at me Mm-hmm. And this somebody else just yelled gas. Wait, they're shooting bullets at me and I got to put on a mask. Right. I'm 18. I didn't sign up for none of this. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to get the check and like, you know, run around the track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what y'all said. Now I'm in Iraq. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it's a real bugged out situation that life is, but how we deal with it. And like I said, just not reacting mm-hmm. to re to reactions. Like we, we're reactionary beings because we've been taught to be, Yeah, you know, just out of response. So it's like, that's the army is that whole thing. Like when you're in combat, like you got to know how to like react, but not really react, you know, like it's a certain set of emotions that got to come on and a certain set of emotions that got to get cut off while this thing is happening. Mm-hmm. And then when, when, when it's over, then you cut them back on. That's why a lot of people that are veterans have problems. Yeah. You know? Because you, yeah. you ask somebody to be a, a machine and kill people, which is something not natural at all. Mm-hmm. And then ask them to go back home and be a regular guy. 
at a regular job. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, I feel like with that, like the, the lack of retraining or detraining or whatever the proper thing is, right. right? You've been trained to do this thing. And like, as humans, we're insanely adaptable with the right training and with the right awareness, you know, and tools to, to be able to do that, you know? And I think in this recent, you know, event that's been going on around the world, you know, it's the people that embrace that adaptability that are like, okay, I accept like this is going on now. How do I pivot? How do yes. I navigate that? Versus if you're just denying it, you know, you're just going to suffer. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the whole, like this whole thing, right. Of, of digging in mm-hmm. like, well, marathons hurt. Like you got to kind of, and so like, you know, we do, we read a lot. We do a lot of these meditations and things. So it's like, you, you can't escape pain, mm-hmm. right? It's there. So it's how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's your response to it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's more like, let's, let's explore what it is. Mm-hmm. Does it hurt enough for me to have to stop? Or does it hurt enough to where I know I can kind of keep going? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you had ACL surgery, so you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, now, it's like, hold up. Where before, it might have been a complete full throttle. I got Now mm-hmm. it's like, wait a minute. I need, yeah. Let me think a little bit. Like, even if we're in the action and you feel strong, you just know that there's a thing now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's what, that's what this thing is. It's like, it's that awareness of knowing, like, okay, well, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. And I can endure, so let me endure. Mm-hmm. Like, not back off of it, because it is what it is. Like, I have to kind of embrace this thing, you know, and allow it to be for a little while. Like, if you've been injured, you know, like, you're in pain. That whole in, that whole recovery, like, you're in pain. Mm-hmm. Like, my body, like, man, like, it took months for me not to be in pain. Yeah. Like, I didn't break anything. Nothing was broken. Mm-hmm. but I got hit by a car. So yeah. like I couldn't sleep a certain way. I, like it would just be nice. That I just had to like, just lay and just like, all right, I can't turn anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 I'm not going to take another pill. I'm not going to turn over again. You know, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, and we're going to deal right now. So in that dealing, I, I learned like it didn't mm-hmm. kill me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I also managed, like, you know, your body is amazing. Mm-hmm. We just don't get taught to use it. Yeah. We get taught to, like, drug it. Yeah. But, like, it's amazing what you can do with breath work. You know, like a, like a woman having a baby, right? You know, like, yeah. you know, I'm never going to compare any pain that I've been in to that. Right. But the mechanical processes, right, Yeah. of breath work through human birth, breath work through a broken leg or healing ACL, mm-hmm. you know, once again, just my interpretations, you know? Yeah, no, I think I definitely agree with that. Like the, the body is amazing and we are built to endure. And like to your point before, we're also built to rest. And, you know, like, like we were saying, so many of these like ideas are baked into our culture and our, upbringing you know the idea of like i gotta work 16 hours a day and make so much money you know and 
you know, that's not what we're built to do. Those are ideas that we've become attached to, but you know, right. not <laughs> judging ourselves, way. not right. judging ourselves for doing nothing, you know, right. is it's important to do that. And if you're like, Oh, I'm going to like take tomorrow off and I'm just going to like relax and you know, not do anything. I wouldn't yeah. judge you for that, but I would judge myself for it. Right. And it's like, right. Such a funny thing how, you know, we'll, we'll be way harder on ourselves than we will other people a lot of the time. Because we've been in some weird way taught to do that, mm-hmm. to always be your own, like your own critic. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been, do I look good? Do I look good enough? Am I tall enough? Am I fast enough? All of mm-hmm. these questions of am I mm-hmm. versus like I am. I am strong enough. I am fast enough. I am tall enough. I do look good enough because it's for me. Yeah. Not, not like my dad or not or the community or not mm-hmm. for the Instagram, but genuinely just for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think if you're in that place, you're so much less likely to judge other people and make other people, you know, feel different. And, you know, you'll have that compassion and empathy for, for those around you. Well, I mean, I think that's the other thing that like, you know, marathoning and running that helped me, you know, because like, once again, no negative self-talk. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you're a real runner. What do you mean? I'm a real runner. You're a real runner, too. <laughs> you running. I'm running. We running. But yeah. I understand. I understand what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? Like, it looks cool. It's It hurts. Mm-hmm. A lot. And I, and I always tell like everybody like, you know, yeah, it looks awesome. The videos are awesome. But that two hours and X time, it hurts a lot for that mm-hmm. amount of time, you know, mm-hmm. but you put your body through it because that's what you trained. You trained your body to do it. It's not like you didn't train your body to do it. You trained your body to do it. Mm-hmm. So now it's just like it's showtime, but it's only one day. Yeah. It's all the days that lead up. Yeah. And then those are the days that also build you for all the days after that one day. Oh, completely. I mean, if you if you walk away from the marathon changed because it's like life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally life. It's a, it's, a, it's a moment that you do and it changes you because you trained for it to change you. A lot of people run marathons for a lot of different charitable causes or things have happened in their life. You know, we, we attach these things to the to the cause. Mm-hmm. So we can do it, you know, mm-hmm. because if it was just like go run a marathon, you go do it. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's like it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. It's something that I'm going to train for. It's like it's a big deal. And a lot of times we have those big deals in life. So for a lot of people, they just don't get the fact to see that mm-hmm. that they have that big deal in their life. You don't really need that big marathon or whatever. It's just like when you set goals, that's what the goals are. The goals are like the marathon. You getting up and being dedicated to them. You know, yeah. and using the using the running principles of that, like discipline to apply it to yourself. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like if you practice yoga, how how great is it that you get frustrated or something and you don't know how to, like, pull yourself back or you practice meditation and like we all we're humans. Like you're going to get frustrated, but you don't allow yourself to um, practice what you know mm-hmm. or practice what you preach in a sense. We're not perfect. No one is perfect in that sense of what the word is. But being aware, mm-hmm. well, that's, you know, we all have the ability to be more aware. Yeah. Yeah. And practice that. 
Right. Just practice life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a good spot to leave it for today. Um, cool, man. Yeah, where can people follow you and, and check in and reach out? You can find me at uh, at SoSlanky on Instagram. And the website is www.sswnky.com. Okay. Yeah, so sorry about that. Yeah, www.sswnky.com. I'm on Instagram at SoSlanky. I'm here. All right. Perfect. Thanks. All right. Thanks, well, guys. thank you so thanks much. so much, Ryan. Yeah. Thanks for the time. It's great to connect. And thanks again. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Whether you listen to it on Spotify, Apple, or through our website, it would be great to hear your feedback and thoughts. If you're able to leave a review, it'll really help us share the message and share the podcast with more people. Thank you.